0: off our New Zealand accents for this one story of Thor la <laughs> I had a good Korg impression circa Ragnarok yeah and it just it's it's languished you could say yeah
1: which is just a good Taika impression
0: I think you know there just weren't as many good Korg
1: moments in this film well there was a few no no <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember the end quote was the best part where he decides to make a baby with a guy named Doyle oh yeah Join the Rock. It's so interesting how many gay characters there have been in the Thor films. Yeah. Yeah, the Korgs are all gay, I guess. They're all guys. LGBTQ. QIA. Plus. We've got, we've got several acronyms
0: represented. I think Valkyrie is bisexual. Is she? Because she seemed interested
1: when Thor was uh, Inter- naked, and she was like... Oh yeah, maybe, maybe she is. I don't. I don't really. It doesn't really matter to me. And also, Korg, his species. I don't know if they.
0: Do they have female? That's
1: what or? I was saying. They're all. They're all dudes. Anyway, so. I swear he mentioned having a mother at some I've point. I've got. I've got my two dads. That's, that's <laughs> the best impression I could do.
0: Holding hands over the lava.
1: That lava documentary looks interesting. I still want to see that.
0: Yeah. Is that. Where is that? Is that going to have, have a? We should, the- see, we should. see it. It's theatrical. in a theater now.
1: Oh, it but is? only in select theaters. Yeah, but we should check it out. Seeing E.T., the E.T. trailer in IMAX was rad for this.
0: In IMAX for IMAX. That's... I
1: I think I... I'm not even kidding when I say I, I think I had to stop myself from crying. Really? That's how much in the feels it hit me. It was a fun little trailer. I mean, just to see a trailer for one of my favorite films, unexpectedly... A classic. Like, it was, and it was like a well-done just IMAX trailer about E.T. I was like, just purchase my ticket right now please yeah i'm just crying right now the 40th anniversary right i think so 82 yeah Yeah, i think so it was a good year for movies et is by far one of my favorite films probably in my top 10
0: oh probably top 10 i would have said like one of your favorite all time
1: it is in my top 10 all-time why i was thinking like (laughs) we got
0: to narrow the
1: you know how many movies have existed in all time yeah but (laughs) Et is in the top ten for
0: you personally. Like if when I think of Stephen Burnett and his favorite films, I think of Jurassic Park and Et. I think of like <laughs>
1: Spil- just Spielberg. Spielberg's like
0: <laughs> vintage
1: classics. You know, no, no, you will die. <laughs> for someone who's ruled by nostalgia, it just seemed like the go-to. You think I'm ruled by nostalgia?
0: Oh, undoubtedly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's not that's not bad though. That's what no, we're doing no, here. I I'll take
1: I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take that as a win.
0: Yeah, It's an absolute win. I see it as an absolute win. Are you
1: going to want to see the E.T.? Uh, yeah, for sure. The, the E.T.?
0: I just saw it for the first time last year. You made me watch it. And I loved it. And I would, I would love to see it in IMAX. I would love to see so many things in IMAX. <laughs> it surprised me that it was advertised specifically for that format.
1: You know, I just realized I never asked you, how was the viewing of the thing? It was really good, oh, yeah, I think we might have texted briefly, yeah, but i didn't I didn't like ask you in person. How... fathom
0: events did not drop the ball. it looked good, it sounded good uh it well, that was your it.
1: that was your first time seeing it all the way through, though, right, yep,
0: from start to finish, it's a good film, it's so good, and I've, I've never seen it it's it's carpenter's, I don't know if I'd say it's his magnum opus, I probably would, but it is so good, and the tension is masterfully created throughout the movie. He does interesting things. I don't know what the budget for that was. But is, it,
1: is it a tension kind of thing, like the first Alien film? Is so it that kind of thing? Because yeah. I've never... I don't know anything about it.
0: Yeah. It was a few years after Alien, but it's so good. I mean, it's good from every angle. Love the, the cast. The practical effects are obviously legendary. And there, there was a cool snippet, too. We stayed after the film. And Fathom Events, it looked like they just yoinked a couple BTS featurettes from some DVD DVD, and they played it though. And it was one of the lead effects guys talking about some of the scenes, specifically the one on the table where the doctor's hands go into the chest cavity of one of the other dudes who is the thing, who is one of the things. I can't remember their names at this point, but they broke down the scene. They talked about what it was like on the day shooting the production of it. It was really cool. Like the level of craftsmanship is just Amazing. And I I mentioned to you when we were like we were watching trailers for our movie today and I was like thinking about the I L M documentary that's coming out. Right. And just like I'm excited for in the late seventies and the eighties and nineties, the things that people were doing with practical effects just amazing. And they hold up to this day. And I got to talking with friends too when we were watching it about the new The Thing, which was like spiritually a reboot of the franchise, but it was actually a prequel to the nineteen eighty two film. Which was a remake of a 1950s The Thing, or I think it was called The Thing from Outer Space Um, And that film uses Mostly CGI, the new one And uh, you can see just the difference In quality
1: When was that done? The new one? Yeah
0: I think it was 2011 It was Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Joel Edgerton What? And it's played as a prequel Leading up to the events of John Carpenter's movie Who directed it? I can't remember But it wasn't John but they they made they made effects for that film, and I think the studio or someone made them get rid of it, and they use CGI instead, and that's why it gets it gets flack
1: for just being kind of shitty. For our audience, can you name some other John Carpenter films? Uh, I mean, so many. Not the least of
0: which was Halloween. I think that might have been his first feature. I'm not sure, but that was, you know, Michael Myers' first outing on the town. Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Escape from New York. He worked with Kurt Russell a lot. Big Trouble in Little China, I think. I don't know if he's still making movies, to be honest. But he, I think he is producing the new Halloween films. And he, he, he's a cool guy. He does music for a lot of his films as well. I think he composed the score for a lot of those original films. That's another interesting thing about the thing is like the way the music plays into it. It's just it's such a good movie. Hmm. And I would I would recommend it to any horror fan or. Um,
1: anybody he likes. Awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know us, this, this is, is Stephen and Gabe. This is Gabe in <laughs> I'm front Steven. of me. I'm Gabe, and I'm Stephen. Welcome to the TCP. Welcome to the TCP. A nonsensical acronym, but <laughs> here we are. What are we doing today? We are doing Thor: Love and Thunder. We just got back
0: from yeah. Just got back from our IMAX screening. That's Super true. Good. That's true
1: as we are wont to do. Did you say super good. Super good. I mean super good being I, in the IMAX theater. Yeah, being is
0: in, <laughs> super good. Like I said, I'll I'll take anything
1: in an IMAX theater. Uh it's it's just a joy to be in that auditorium, like yeah. the real IMAX. I think we should talk about Taika Waititi. Who is Taika Waititi?
0: Who is Taika?
1: He is a director. He came up around the days of Flight of the Concords from HBO. Is an old New Zealander show. Well, it was New Zealanders in New York. I think he might have done some directing at that time, as well. And then he's bounced around as an actor, director for a long time. He's done uh, "Who We Are in the Shadows," and what, we are, "What We What, do what We Do in the Shadows," "What We Do in the Shadows." Who Who Are We in the Shadows? Kid,
0: <laughs> which was a film,
1: and it became a <laughs> show that's
0: been successful. I think that was actually the first time I saw him was. In what we do in the shadows.
1: Yep, with and then Jermaine, Jermaine Clement, and then uh, and then he went on to do Hunt for the Wilder People. He acted in Green Lantern, the successful Ryan Reynolds film. That was
0: way back in the day, wasn't it?
1: I mean, it's all the same. It was in 2011. Uh, eventually, he found his way to Marvel, and he directed Thor: Ragnarok.
0: Ragnarok.
1: And he that was a success for Marvel, and people said it reinvigorated the Thor franchise people said that they did say that yeah and then he went on to direct a little Oscar winning film at least he won Oscar for best original screenplay I think called Jojo Rabbit it was about a young boy in Nazi Germany who had an imaginary friend uh, played by Taika Waititi as Hitler (laughs) (laughs) silly Hitler and then this is his follow-up to that film as director slash writer slash auteur of this new Thor movie One thing that was interesting that I had heard Was that Taika didn't write Thor Ragnarok, but he did direct it and I think that was good But let's talk about the cast Who's stars in this film right off the bat. We got Thor himself Chris Hemsworth. Yep, one of our
0: longer-standing heroes at this point, and he's the longest-standing. He said he's just willing to play Thor for as long as the fans will have him. I think.
1: Well, spoilers: the ending said Thor will return. So yeah, and we know it ain't going to be Jane Foster. You know what I mean? Because she's dead. Yeah. Who's played Jane Foster? Jane Foster. A.K.A. Lady Thor, A.K.A. Mighty Thor. She was not Lady Thor.
0: Well, someone called her Lady Thor, but yeah, that's not her Gore name. Gore
1: the Butcher, the, the villain <laughs> of the film. It's Natalie Portman. Well, Natalie Portman's back after being gone since Thor A Dark World back in 2013, I think it was, or 14.
0: I think there's an offhand comment in one of the Avengers movies about her, right?
1: Oh, yeah, she's mentioned a plenty, and Do she, she kind of shows up in Endgame a little bit. Do they break up in Dark World? No. So that happened off screen. And yeah, that's why they cover it. What we get in yeah. this film is the first time kind of seeing gotcha. what happened. And so it hasn't been addressed till now. We saw Kat Dennings as her character in this. <laughs> <laughs> she had a
0: scene. We even had a, a Zoom call with Skarsgård. Yeah. Uh, Skarsgard. Skarsgard.
1: yeah. Uh, the the father of Skarsgård. Yes. Had many sons, and many sons had father Skarsgård. That's <laughs> a tongue twister. Tessa Thompson was back as Valkyrie. She was from Ragnarok, and Taika Waititi injected himself into one of his films again as Korg. As Korg, Korg, i a little rock. Thor's big friend men,
0: Thor's friendly sidekick <laughs> with a penchant for quick, humor. <laughs> his species, they produce, they reproduce by. Holding hands for a month over molten lava or something—it's kind of unclear how that works. But you go into uh,
1: yes volcano.
0: We also had uh, Jamie Alexander was back as Sif.
1: Oh yeah, that was cool. And she we looked, had she looked good in the end. Yeah, I wish we had more of her. I'm I'm hoping that they'll because she's a love interest for Thor in the comics. On, on on again, off again. I'm hoping that she comes back into play. If you know what I mean, Thorx, <laughs> Thorg. Thor's <laughs> Thor's
0: friends from the previous films have kind of been shafted over time in one manner or another. And I hope we get
1: more Sif because she's cool. Speaking of shafted, who played Zeus? Zeus? Russell Crowe. Yeah. Who is... In the movie.
0: <laughs> he's in the movie. He might be in future films. They're, they set the end of this movie up with uh, him not being dead and trying to get Hercules to uh, go after Thor. We'll see what happens. And who played Hercules? Roy Kent. (laughs) Roy Kent. I I don't
1: know his name. I just know his character's name from uh, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Brett Goldstein. Brett Goldstein. Interesting. He was so quick, and I was so taken aback by the look of him that I yeah. I feel like I didn't get to take it in. I want to look. I want to look at a gif of him just standing up a hundred times in a row. You know. Yeah. And
0: we had back for a brief kind of prologue for this film, The Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that's true. Yep.
1: (laughs) The entire cast. I was going to say Idris Elba. (laughs) Yeah, well, Idris was in the post-credits cameo. We had the Guardians. So we had Chris Pratt. Mm -hmm. We had Karen Gillan as Nebula. We had Palm Clementif as Mantis. Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista as Drax. Vin Diesel. Bradley Cooper and (laughs) Vin Diesel (laughs) played the voices, once again, of Rocket, Raccoon, and Groot. And then... Idris Elba showed up as Heimdall.
0: Yeah. And And then our villain. But not least. Exactly (laughs) right. Is the man himself, Christian Bale, for his first time in
1: the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Probably probably his last. And when people said, when he joined joined the cast, people asked him the question, how do you feel joining the MCU? And he said, joining the what? (laughs) (laughs) He's so funny. Yeah, he was gore. He doesn't care. The
0: God Butcher.
1: He was Gore the God Butcher. Even
0: though he doesn't do a whole lot of God butchering in this film, he did butcher one God.
1: Let's talk about the kids who played, who became love, I guess. The the the, girl? The girl, yeah.
0: Yeah, the little girl who was Gore's daughter, who becomes Thor's Thor's adopted daughter, (laughs) is played by Thor's real-life... Sorry, Chris Hemsworth. Chris, his real-life daughter, India, I think is her name. And she was great. It's funny because... I didn't know they were father-daughter, but
1: you could tell there's chemistry there in the scene. Yeah, and then his son was also in this as kind of a young Thor in a brief montage. Tristan. Tristan. And apparently his other son was also
0: in there as one of the Asgardian kids. Oh, and then we had the actors back. We had Sam Neill.
1: Sam Neill played Odin. Played Odin. As the Asgardian theater troupe. Uh, Matt Damon was Loki. Loki and and Chris Hemsworth's brother. Yes, Luke. Luke from Westworld yeah he played Thor yeah <laughs> and then Hella was played by oh yeah Melissa McCarthy yeah what a wild that
0: was so funny that was one of cast. the best gags in a very gaggy movie yes in a gag heavy movie <laughs> it made me gag <laughs> in a good way sometimes uh yeah that's the cast
1: all right it's over you guys can go home now <laughs> Just turn it off what now What's the budget? What's the budget? $250 million, reportedly.
0: With a modest box office gross, opening night of $77 million. I don't know if that's... I mean, it's, what is today, Friday? So we're just... The weekend is getting started, and it'll probably
1: do well. Yeah, I think a lot of people are into, were anticipating this film based off of Thor Ragnarok.
0: Yeah, Taika had a lot of steam coming to this one. Thor Ragnarok was pretty well-received, so... Tyka, you, you kind of mentioned it when you were talking about his career coming off of JoJo, but he's a pretty hot commodity right
1: now. I think he's
0: still got Star Wars in the bag. Working on a potential franchise trilogy? It's, it's a
1: little up in the air for Star Wars, says Tyka. But, but yeah, he... he's, a lot of people like Taika. <laughs> so what did you think? Of Taika or of the film? About the movie. The movie. Um, Should we just jump right into it? Let's talk about the movie. Yeah. Let's talk about Thor, Love and Thunder. <laughs> I have to say from the start, there was a point in the film where I said to myself, I think I hate this (laughs) and I, and I am unsure if they can pull it out in the end. And then after that point, it just got better. And then in the end I was like, all right, cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so conflicted so let's recap it started well with the owls the, the owl one? the owl people oh fighting the guardians that was a super cool set piece
0: yeah that was fun
1: i really enjoyed that part i was like all on board and then it just nosedived until after the zeus scene at omnipotent city yeah and then the movie got better as it landed the ship and like we had a lot of slow moments and heart felt interactions Mm -hmm. and yeah, it just, it kept getting better into the end. And then I liked how it ended. I liked everything that it did. Some of the things that I liked, I liked more conceptually than the actual execution. Yeah. Similar things we've been saying about uh, Disney content lately. Uh, Absolutely. We beat that rug out on the curb with all the dust coming off the rug. We beat that rug to death. The dead rug. On the Obi-Wan cast. Beat the dead
0: rug. Yeah, we beat
1: the dead rug. Maybe we should
0: provide some context, actually. Like giving a, like a brief synopsis. Oh, okay. I didn't even think about that, but... Yeah, what happens in Thor Love yeah, that's a good. that's a great question, Stephen. Thank you for asking.
1: They get attacked by owls.
0: Yeah, so this is post-endgame. Thor sets off on an adventure, you know, to find himself with the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy. But we promptly move away from the Guardians of the Galaxy in the first act so Thor can have his own story again. He gets back into shape, and it's established very quickly by several monologues by Korg, who frames our story. Multiple times
1: throughout the film. Yeah.
0: That this is Thor's journey to essentially find himself after 10 years of trauma in the MCU, losing (laughs) all of his friends and family. His almost True. Almost his whole culture was just about wiped out, so... This is his time for healing, and he's got this kind of Zen thing going on. But he's still very aloof, uh, which I think is mostly due to Taika's style of humor, which uh, we'll get into what what that's about later. But yeah, they are on one one planet having an adventure, a planet that has recently been attacked by Gore the God Butcher. Gore killed their gods, and so now there's a bit of lawlessness happening on the land, and the Guardians and Thor have to help them out. And they do. The Guardians set off to go do their own thing. Thor then is set on his adventure, which I guess, I think is to pursue Gore. How do they, where do they go from the planet? He and Korg receive two goats, which become one of the gags, the reoccurring gags, <laughs> these screaming goats. Your mileage may vary on how funny you
1: find this uh, reoccurring joke. True.
0: But they go, I think they go. Where do
1: they go? Do they go, they to, go a- to New Asgard? New Asgard first, Where he right. sees Jane for the first time. Is that, why do they go there? I can't remember why. Because on the ship, the guardians get the call to check out Gore the God Butcher, and he sees Lady Sif under attack. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They go to the ice place where they see the giant carcass for like of the a dead second. god. Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
0: He finds Sif. They go to New Asgard, which is quickly under siege by Gore and his shadow demons, which is pretty cool. This is one of my favorite parts of the film is Gore's nightmarish tendril effects, VFX they have in this film. And he summons shadow demons to attack New Asgard. There's a big battle where, like you said, Lady or Mighty Thor, Natalie Portman's Thor rolls in and they have this brief reuniting. And then they set off after sort of saving the town. Gore kidnaps all the kids of the village and (laughs) just takes off. That's true. He does kidnap the kids to bait Thor, I think, into coming after him because he needs Stormbreaker, true. which is Thor's axe. To what is revealed his <laughs> intentions just... later on, yep,
1: is to get to this place or entity called Eternity, which will grant his wish. Yeah, there's a lot of sentient weapons in this movie. Yeah, Stormbreaker, and Mjolnir, everything has a personality, and and also the the, the Necro Sword, Necro Sword, yeah.
0: And so they go, <laughs> they have a battle on this asteroid in the shadow realm, which is super cool. That's where we get our black and white sequence of the film, the monochromatic. Or well, there's a whole bunch of nonsense that happens before that. I can't even remember that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Anything that happens before the shadow realm in this film really doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, pr- it's pretty, where the pacing for this is kind of crazy, and we just get to where we're going, and that's where we're at. We get to the shadow realm. Our three heroes are Thor, Natalie Portman's Thor. <laughs> And Valkyrie, they have a battle with gore. <laughs> <laughs> gore and Thor. Thor, Thor, gore, and Valkyrie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but that is not
0: the climactic encounter.
1: I thought uh, it would be. From yeah, the I totally thought it would be too. And that was a really cool setting. like, cause, like yeah. It basically made it black and white, like a black and white film for a little bit, which is cool. But it had... Uh, Sporadic coloring, tinges of coloring, because of the sentient weapons. Yes,
0: and so ultimately they they lose on that planet because Valkyrie is wounded and Natalie Portman she has gets
1: this jizzabed.
0: Yeah, Natalie Portman has this this thing with cancer in the film where she's, does, she she's dying. She has cancer. She has cancer <laughs> is what I'm trying to the say. The thing
1: with cancer is that she has cancer. <laughs> <laughs> it's stage four. I don't know if we know what kind of cancer it is, but it's terminal. In the, in the comics, I think it was breast cancer. I don't know. They didn't explain really what it was in the film. Yeah. Just that she has it. I think they change a lot from... And they also indicated... Through, like, a very brief flashback montage that her mom also had cancer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, They do show that. That was, like, a... That was weird. Sorry. Because one one of the things that is weird.
0: Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So they have to go back to New Asgard or Earth and recuperate. And that's where Thor then goes off on his own to fight Gore once again. Gore is on the doorstep to Eternity, opening a portal somewhere. Not sure where they are. They're in the center of the universe. Yeah. Because he has Stormbreaker and he's able to unlock this place now. So Thor goes there. He finds the children and ends up through the same ability that Odin had. He enchants the children.
1: He he essentially, at this point in the canon, has Odin's powers because he's king. So he temporarily... Even though though Valkyrie's king, he's got the powers.
0: (laughs) So he temporarily imbues about two dozen Asgardian children Super awesome. With the power of gods. Some of
1: them are Asgardian, some of them are different Some of them are just there. (laughs) But that scene scene was legit. I feel like Taika came up with that idea and said, let's build the whole movie around that. Yeah. He had a couple set pieces in mind and he said, that's good enough for me. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So yeah, the kids will fight the shadow monsters that Gore spawns while Thor and Gore
1: duke it out to stop Gore from opening the gate to eternity and granting his wish and right before that scene there's a tender moment between thor and jane foster yeah where we find out that jane essentially if she uses mjolnir the sentient hammer thor's hammer weapon one more time and she'll probably die of cancer because it's sucking the life out of her even though she's already dying and so he's like don't ever use the hammer again anyway He goes off to fight Gore. He gets in a place where he's about to get beaten down. And then who shows up, but Jane and they have this moment where they look at each other and he kind of knows this might be the last time he sees her. Yep. This is where the heart of the film comes in. Yep. And then together, mainly through Jane Foster's uh, embodiment of Thor, she destroys the necrosword that was bewitching Gore, the God butcher, (laughs) and singular kills the swords sort of via some nonsensical lightning that doesn't really make sense and then uh jane's down for the count after that yeah gore climbs in to she's sec- yeah yeah the eternity hole <laughs> the eternity hole <laughs> uh-huh. and th- this is the like this was one of my favorite parts of the film right here you want to see what happens after they climb into the eternity hole yeah
0: yeah uh it- natalie porbin thor and gore are in the eternity hole, <laughs> and Gore's about to do his one wish, which is I think gonna initially be to like just destroy all the gods or something, kind of uh, catastrophic like that. And Thor pleads with him, has to has a heart to heart, and he's talking about love and you know the purpose for living being love.
1: Well, choosing love over revenge, right? Or Vengeance or death or hate, yeah because 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 the whole film is Gore lost his daughter because uh-huh. he was praying to gods that didn't care about him, and so he starts killing the gods because he lost his daughter, and Thor kind of puts the idea in his head, you could you could choose you could use your one wish to get your daughter back, you know you won, and then he says to him, i I'm choosing love instead of talking to you. I'm going to spend my last moments with Jane talking to her instead mm-hmm. of wasting them here with you. And you also have the option of choosing love if he wanted it. So that was that was the heart of the film right there.
0: And that gets Gore to change his wish to having his daughter back. Yep. Although he didn't give it a lot of thinking through or else he probably could have added an addendum where he doesn't immediately die right after. Because yeah, right. he, he succumbs to his wounds as soon as his daughter is manifested. And just as Natalie Portman dies in Thor's arms, so too does Gore the God butcher die in his daughter's arms
1: and right before he does, he turns to Thor and says, "Can you take care of her?" And Thor's like, "Yeah, I will."
0: <laughs> and he does,
1: yeah, he treats her like his own daughter there's uh and the ni- girl's cool with it. A nice little summary uh, at the end. a lot of stuff happens jane Jane's gone and she goes gold she goes. <laughs> She gets, like, dusted with gold dust and ends up in Valhalla. Yeah, because in the the MCU, when you turn into gold dust instead of just regular dust, it's better. That's super good for you. Yeah, it's a good thing.
0: We all would like that. (laughs) And anyway... Yeah, I think I I brushed over the uh,
1: omnipotent city, but you mentioned that. So, somewhere in the middle of the movie, they end up at Godtown. That was the part where you said nothing matters before this one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and you're not wrong. They go to
0: Godtown, which was a fun set piece, but... Just like a lot of other parts of this movie, it was kind of brushed through.
1: Yep. And anyway, there's a montage at the end where Thor essentially is a dad and he's taking care of this young girl who's his real Chris Hemsworth's daughter in real life. And they're like on some sort of ship slash... It was a space Winnebago. Yeah. Looked like. And they go out and, and they're still doing the Thor thing where they're trying to help people and stuff. Yeah. And intergalactic heroes. Yeah, but they're doing it side by side. So Thor's got his The girl's got
0: powers or something. Yeah, she has some sort of powers. Purple laser eyes or something. And then we find (laughs) out
1: through Korg's narration that that's who people are calling Love and Thunder. Love is the young girl and Thunder is Thor. Yeah. That's like this fable that they've come to be known as or something. Yeah. I don't know. It was... That was strange. Yeah,
0: so that's that's Thor: Love and Thunder. Brief synopsis. That's our segment called Shitty
1: Retelling. <laughs> it's over now, but you, yeah, you guys can celebrate.
0: I think I I feel pretty similarly to you on this one. I I enjoy. You loved
1: it? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> no. Let's not let's not uh, joke around.
1: Let's oh, okay. not be taika here. It's
0: serious time. Oh, I see. Let's get down to business because the people want to know. The people are asking what happened. Yeah. What what is happening? Should I see it? So here's your official TCP take, the review. It was all right. <laughs> A lot of fun things in this film. Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher was amazing. Probably one of the more memorable MCU villains. Time will tell, but I think... So far. Uh, from the way he embodied the character to uh, the set pieces that he had to play around in, it was very fun. Like, one of the more parts of the f- movies that didn't feel forced... Or like shoehorned in or contrived or rushed through. Christian Bale seemed to enjoy doing this, which is... I didn't know what he would do with gore because he's typically like a very like... He takes acting very seriously. And I, don't, I can't remember a whole lot of performances from him that were as campy and silly as what he did here. But it was also good. Like it was legitimately scary at times. The way they do gore in this film, while not very violent, it was actually pretty terrifying. You know with the imagery and it echoed some of the scarier parts in uh, like multiverse of madness for instance even the way they frame him and they block him in shadows he often looks like a like a skeleton or something when he's emerging from the shadows he's got the glowing eyes and then his teeth with the black gums and he's christian bill often will transform his body for his roles and he is uh pretty thin in this movie. And so you could see like his pronounced cheekbones and stuff like that. Very cool performance from him. It was worth it for me to see it in a theater for that reason alone. Also, Natalie Portman back was really cool. Yep. Loved her yep. as Jodie Foster. She was great. Jane Foster. Jane Foster. She clearly had more fun with it this time
1: around than in her previous two entries. <laughs> yeah. Feige said, I mean, kind of trying to debunk all the, the stuff that has come out after Thor Dark World and why Natalie Portman wasn't in the last kind of nine years of films that she just wanted to play something that was like interesting to her. Yeah. And so having Taika on board and playing Thor herself and I think also maybe the draw of being killed off mm-hmm. was also interesting to her. Kind of like Harrison Ford and Han Solo, you know, he's like, I'll come back one more time if you kill my character. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good good point. I liked what they did with her character because that's one thing I will give to the MCU is I feel like because of their amount of money, you can't really stop this train at this point. And, (laughs) and it's almost like they can bring back any actor they want. Like they just will be like, Hey, we'll pay you whatever you need to come back. And so we get a lot of closure with characters. Yeah. It, like, it was so cool to see Kat Dennings again in WandaVision. And I, I honestly didn't expect to see her again in this. And I feel like we'll see her again going forward. So I just like that, like, aspect of it. It feels like, oh, there's, like, a element of I am comfortable with these characters. And I know these characters. And, and you know, here's a new story or adventure that I'm getting. And so getting Natalie Portman's kind of closure and and probably, maybe for the rest of the mcu's existence it was good to get that because everyone wondered what happened and what happened to their relationship and all that stuff so you get all of those facts
0: yeah they could have milked it a little bit more
1: yeah i agree but it
0: but it was good to have which i guess it it could be a nice segue into uh things that this film could have done better or just didn't do very well
1: well it was a lot of montages about (laughs) stuff that has happened in the past
0: they cover a lot of ground
1: yeah, and it didn't. It didn't necessarily need to happen that way. I. I it felt like a cop out. It felt cheapened. Mm-hmm. It felt like it cheapened the characters' journeys and and who they are as honestly beloved blockbuster Marvel cinematic universe characters that fans love all globally, all over the world. It felt like it kind of cheapened their journeys a little bit to see these montages. There was like three, uh, three to four points where Korg was like, well, here I am again. And I'm going to take you through a little bit of history, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And I was like, damn it. Cause like, damn it. There was, there was clearly a story between Jane and Thor and how they ended and what happened. And although the story was still compelling, it happened in the, the span of maybe a minute and a half mm-hmm. to two minutes. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think they could have milked more. So, and it wasn't just that montage, there's the montage in the beginning of who Thor was and how he found himself to be at that point. And there's even the montage in the reenactment with the, the act, the play in New Asgard, there's the montage at the end that we get of Korg coming in and talking about, you know, where we're gonna leave these characters until we see him again and Yeah. It just felt bad. It feels like they
0: wanna put everything in there for someone who like So you'll feel comfortable if you haven't seen anything else in the MCU, but also it's like so entrenched in the MCU Mm -hmm. that you're missing a lot of value if you haven't seen the rest. Mm -hmm. But to piggyback off of what you said, I would say another thing that I was thinking about in terms of why that approach to the story didn't work very well is because it's a lot of telling, not showing, which is like a cardinal sin in filmmaking. Yep. And there are a couple pretty blatant instances of that that irked me in, in terms of like really cutting down on story. Yeah. One of those is like Jane Foster's journey like I mentioned earlier. She has cancer in this movie and it's, we see a lot of uh, people saying like how it's affecting her but we don't, we only get like maybe one or two scenes where we actually see it and so the, her journey from this film from our introduction to her having cancer into being Lady Thor is very abrupt and then also moving forward we don't really get to flesh out in my opinion her struggle with that very well. Maybe that's just also a detriment in terms of the tonal shock of having kind of such a silly movie that actually has some pretty crazy subject matter. Yeah. Um, and also, Gore suffers from this. We see a lot of people talking about the threat that he represents, the existential threat to gods and higher power in this universe.
1: But we only ever see him killing one god, <laughs> and it's his introductory scene. Yeah, but there is a montage showing you more gods... That he's killed via, the
0: There's a montage.
1: Guardians of the Galaxy's computer that they're flipping through all the pages. Oh of the, yeah, 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 The gods that he's killed.
0: But what a wasted opportunity on Omnipotent City not to have Gore like have a cool scene there. Like we got a lot of Hela and Ragnarok doing shit like that, and th- and Gore is just kind of this looming presence. He doesn't really have a lot of, you know what I mean. It could have been cool to see him tear through Omnipotent City, but maybe that's just me. Yeah, I feel like we did get enough bail. And again, I think all these things come down to like, this movie felt like maybe 20 minutes too short to do all the things but they wanted to do. 20 minutes
1: too long because there was 20 minutes in the middle of the film that just didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At all. Yeah. Sometimes it was rushing, sometimes it was dragging. There were literally, <laughs> actually, multiple scenes where it feels like Thor is making love to one of his weapons. Yeah. Speaking softly touching them, pouring a beer onto it. Like, (laughs) it felt not slow, but it felt really like... Like a waste of time? Yes. I felt like my time was being wasted. Exactly.
0: No, so so that's like another interesting thing is Taika's approach to these movies, at least from a writing perspective, because it wasn't that bad in Ragnarok. No. But one of the things I thought, Taika doesn't seem like he cares very much about this not just the source material, but like storytelling for these movies. Like he just wants to do his own thing and be weird and quirky. And you see just wall to wall gags and jokes and, and uh, bits in this movie in every scene. It's so overdone, over the top over. Yeah. It's, it's so jam packed. We don't get a lot of time. It, It just, it doesn't take itself seriously. And so a lot of those things like, The sentient weapons, I think, are where those things fall flat. Sometimes the jokes are good. Sometimes the bits are just, they don't work.
1: Yeah, The jokes, some of the jokes worked. I was laughing at certain parts. And then, like you said, there were some reoccurring bits that just didn't feel, they didn't feel good. They didn't feel earned. Yeah. And, you know, that's always the thing we are constantly saying is like, you got to really got to earn it. And... Uh, particularly from when after they fight off the shadow monsters and the kids get stolen to after Thor drives a thunderbolt through Zeus's chest (laughs) all that time that was a lot of like the end of your first act maybe the beginning of your second act felt just really wasted And, and a good example would be they used the guitar riff from sweet child of mine at the end of that when they are all escaping from omnipotent city and then they cut it off. It's just the guitar riff for maybe a couple bars, and they cut it off as they go to the next a set piece. And it felt so anticlimactic and underused to the point of where it was almost uh, insulting. Yeah, to the song and to the audience. And I was like, "Wow, you really." The pacing of it was just really strange. I think it found its footing in like the middle of the second act or or third act. I don't really know because there's like two endings almost, you know, to this film. But yeah, whenever they go, like you said, to the Shadow Realm planet asteroid thing, yeah. that was when it felt good for the rest of the film as far as pacing. But, you know, everything up to that point felt really weird. I wonder if that was just an editing issue. And it was like, it was, I was watching it going like nothing's, literally nothing is happening. It felt like 20 to 30 minutes of jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of jokes. Like okay. Thor's making love to his hammer. He's confused. He flies out of the town hall in New Asgard, ruining the roof and comes right back.
0: Yeah. And then Jane does it too.
1: And then they just sit there for like five minutes, talking, standing and talking, like, and taking sort of jabs at each other. And then they go to the omnipotent city and it's just joke after joke. It's like (laughs) Valkyrie may have killed four colorful mood people. And then they put on all their costumes in disguise and then Thor tries to stand up for what's good and then he goes and he becomes naked in front of everybody and everyone's like, ooh, look at Thor's dong. And, and they're like eating popcorn almost while this is happening. It ju- it was just like, oh my gosh, Like, can we just move the plot forward? And I know that a lot of that stuff is moving the plot forward, but it felt like one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, two steps back. Until that scene ended and I was, I don't know, it just felt really bad. Then that was the point when I was like, I think I hate this and I don't know if they can recover the film from it. And then once that ended and we actually got into the heart of what's going on and we got more gore. Thor, yeah, Thor tells Thor that she has cancer and, (laughs) and they actually kind of admit that they love one another and that they want to spend their lives with one another. That finds its footing. Yeah. It got so much better after that point, but that 20 to 30 minutes in the middle was just like, get me out of here. Like end this part. I just felt, just felt bad. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Tone. And then in the jokes, I think it's just kind of, it's, it's pretty messy. And I wish there had been someone who could shore that up. Because I think that's just Taika's energy. It's kind of manic and it's kind of just irreverent and silly to a fault. And it's just amplified when he has more creative control, I guess. I mean, we know how talented he can be with storytelling after things like Jojo Rabbit. And those things can coexist where it has that amount of heart and a powerful message. And it's also very funny and satirical and quirky. And it feels good when, when those things are married together well. But it just didn't, I think, work as well here
1: yeah I it's another example of just one step forward two steps back and it then felt then like
0: and a end. parody of itself almost yeah yeah totally. and it, which is funny because it had a parody of itself seen in the film yeah. with Matt Damon I don't know
1: I have a lot to say <laughs> I mean not to change the topic about Taika but I I have a lot of faith in Taika but I've kind of been thinking about him not being all that great of a person lately and and here's why listener I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna talk about that for a second.
0: The scoop here it comes.
1: Well, he was married. He had two daughters, just like I did. And then he decided to end that marriage in the pursuit of not just one but many other women and just having casual relationships with them as was exposed by paparazzi. He was like making out with Tessa Thompson and uh, another girl at the same time nice. And I have known people that have worked with him and have said that he's just kind of an asshole and he's either drunk or on coke most of the time. And I, I just don't have a lot of respect for him anymore. And I think a lot of those choices, like lifestyle choices for him, can kind of be seen in this film. And, and not only how he presents himself as a person and his attitude or disposition toward how he approaches like the everyday life, just kind of being making a joke out of everything that kind of idea but also in the themes of how he looks at and presents the ideas of what love is if you notice here in the end thor doesn't end up with the woman that he loves he ends up with his daughter in the same way that taika chose to end up with his daughters because he still cares about his daughters but he abandoned the woman he was once with. And when divorce happens if anybody is comes from a divorced home, you know, you split that family apart and you still love your kids, but you don't have probably a high view of love at that point, uh, especially like of being and connecting with another individual. So that was really interesting to me is like, in the end, you see Thor with his daughter in the same way that you have Taika, whose main interests apart from whatever drugs or substances or relationships he might be involved with day in and day out. His most highly regarded relationship are most likely his daughter's, which he has posted about many, many times on Instagram. Another thing about Taika that really bothers me is he's extremely narcissistic, unabashedly so. He constantly posts on his Instagram, basically proclaiming that he's narcissistic and that he knows it. And he does it in like a meta way where he makes fun of himself from the outset saying one of his captions will be like, oh, here's Taika again, talking about himself. He can't not talk about himself, even when it has to do with something that doesn't even have to do with him. So here's the thing that Taika is posting today. You know, like that's literally his voice and his style. And it's very reminiscent of the superficiality that we find ourselves in, in our culture. It reminds me, he reminds me of like an embodiment of what I imagine TikTok is in that culture. Yeah. Just scrolling, constant feed of information and jokes and pieces of wisdom and nuggets and information, but there's no substance underneath the the surface of it. And that's that's how this movie felt to me. And although there's heart, like and the heart really comes through, I think, with Gore and his pursuit of his daughter and the revenge, and then a little bit between the two Thors, there wasn't much else. Like it just felt really superficial. And I think it's a direct Reflection of who Taika is as a person. That's what I think. Wow. That's heavy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you may be right. I, uh, I I don't know him personally, but it's entirely possible. I don't know him
1: personally. This is conjecture. Yeah. But like I said, I have to <laughs> people that have worked at Marvel and have worked and interacted with him on a daily basis. Yeah. Multiple people. And I can kind of pick it up from seeing what the tabloids, like just images and, and the things that he posts himself. Yeah, You just kind of put the pieces together and go, I don't know about Taika, man. Like, yeah.
0: Well, I do think it is kind of played out regardless at this point. I would like to see kind of someone else maybe take the reins from the future. I do wish, I mean, as much as I have enjoyed Taika's films in the past, I wish we had someone else at least who did Gore's story, The God Butcher, because I've heard... I haven't read Jason Aaron's Thor run, which I think is where they pull most of this stuff from. That's a good point. But I've heard so many great things about the source material. And I think this film wasted that potentially.
1: I don't know. I, I, yeah. Cause Gore is a relatively new villain in yeah. the comic books. I think he was only created like 10 years ago or something. Yeah. He's newer, which is also fascinating.
0: Yeah. But it is what it is. We're here now. And, uh, it was fun. It's, it's an interesting actually as a comparison point to multiverse of madness, cause they both had this kind of tonal mm-hmm. messiness. Yeah. But Sam Raimi's vision was more appealing to me, for one, because it wasn't so overladen with very miss and hit or miss humor. But it also had this freshness, I I guess I want to say, like this take from a creator who, it felt good to me. I don't know. Whereas this was a lot of like, "Mm, just it didn't connect with me personally. I don't know. I don't want to be overly critical with it so soon after having watched it. I I do want to see it again. I think I will enjoy it more on a second watch because I'll have set aside it, what I perceive as its uh, failures, shortcomings, and I'll be able to better enjoy the parts that I really loved about the film, which was gore and the relationship between the the two Thors. And yeah, we'll see. We'll have to. We'll have to see. Man, I just feel like there was like I died to be in that editing room, like to see what was left on the on the floor. I know. Right. Like for instance, I feel like Valkyrie, they were reaching
1: for something with her
0: character too that just was never achieved.
1: I heard that there was an idea of her trying to find a queen. So yeah, like alongside a relationship, her being King. And that was part of her reason for, for wanting to go out and travel and join them. But nothing happened there. No, it just, it, 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 uh, there was at one, at one point, like a plot or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's still there somewhere.
1: <laughs> I should... A Valkyrie Disney plus limited series would be cool. I'm not even a huge fan of Tessa Thompson, but I, I like her character in the, in this. Yeah.
0: Valkyrie is tight. I think her, dynamic with Thor and in this movie with Portman's Thor was fun.
1: I would like to see Loki come back too. Into the
0: yeah. Oh, that's a huge point I was going to make about this movie. I'm glad you mentioned it. It's because this is the first Thor movie without Loki, right? Yeah. And that presence was, in my opinion, sorely missed. And I think, you, I think that's one of the faults of the movie is Thor didn't have someone like that to play off of in the same way. Because Natalie Portman's character in this film embodies the same kind of silly wanton aloofness, which is strange for a character who is like dying of cancer, but it felt very similar to Chris Hemsworth's take from Tyka.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We didn't have, and in Ragnarok too, we had like uh Bruce Banner who can kind of play the straight man to a lot of the craziness. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that kind of perspective in this film. And I think that's one of the reasons why it just, it went too overboard for me Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of balance. Like, our characters were all very... While there were arcs and there were satisfying conclusions to their journeys, they all felt very one-note. It was like, yeah, we're just making jokes, making jokes. Right. I don't know. That I'm glad you brought that up, because, like, Loki is so good. What Tom Hiddleston has done with that character
1: is, like, one of the all-time best parts of Marvel. Yeah, they're filming a second season right now. I'm excited about it.
0: Yeah. Loki's still my favorite I Disney show. I don't know he's helming
1: it now, but... I think it'll be cool. I mean, I I really love the dynamic between him and uh, Owen Wilson. Yes, especially because they had like a previous history working together outside mm-hmm. of the MCU. So I yeah. feel like they've been friends long enough to to have kind of a familiar dynamic. Not the same one that he, that that Tom Hiddleston had with Chris Hemsworth, but a similar dynamic in that they can play off of each other and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. I really hope that show just gets better because the potential there is large. Yeah, to say the least. I hope Loki comes back from the Disney Plus variant Loki and makes his way back into the films at some point. Yeah, anything's possible. If they do a Thor <laughs> five and they have Tom Hiddleston back, I think it would be a win for sure. Yeah, even if Tyke is directing. What do they do for Thor five? Love and thunder, baby. Love and thunder two. Thor five. No, it's him. It's him and the girl. Well, like what? What where do you think
0: they go from here? Like,
1: what's the well, story? Well, he's a dad now. Or they? Like, I mean, she called him Uncle Thor, but yeah. <laughs> He's, you know, he's, he's a dad. He's got his own little guardians of the galaxy crew that he's working on. So
0: I, I wonder if these movies will just go the way of like Vin Diesel and Fast and the Furious, where this is just Chris Hemsworth's property now to just enjoy his family and
1: <laughs> yeah, I have mean, fun with it. I mean, I, I could see that. Like, you know, he, if it were up to me, if I was making another Thor movie, I would put him and Lady Sif together with his daughter, bring in, his son as like his own son. Yeah. Bring back Loki and then have it be like a, a final hurrah where he somehow sets up him just kind of being in Odin. He just doing the family life but not not really being active anymore. Yeah. Kinda yeah, like cool. how they sent off uh Paul Walker in Fast and the Furious. You know?
0: It's been a long day without you my friend.
1: Anyway, that's what we thought. I kinda like the score. Sometimes in this,
0: I can't really remember any particular cues or <laughs> who was it. Don't tell me it was Mike. <laughs> Michael Giacchino. It was. No, come on, guys. There's a lot of talented musicians out there,
1: composers.
0: Let's 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 come on. God damn it.
1: That's unbelievable. I feel like every every other cast we're doing. It's like, oh, Michael Giacchino again. Giacchino. So, Michael Giacchino scored as well as Nami Malumad. Malumad? Na- Na- Nami? Nami? Hmm. Malumad. Malumad? Interesting. But, yeah, man. Can we please, could, could the real Michael G- Giacchino please stand up? <laughs> Here, here's a here's a song from Thor Love and Thunder. Actually, fuck that. I've played enough Michael Giacchino tracks this year. <laughs> Let's play Sweet Child of Mine. Send us off with your Thor catchphrase, Steve. My Thor catchphrase would be... (laughs) (laughs) You know what happens to a Thor when it's struck by lightning? (laughs) What? The same thing that happens to everything else.